Being on TV gave ACDC visual exposure. This band had the energetic school kid and the outrageous frontman. In fact, it was Molly who encouraged the band to get on the back of a truck and roll down Swanson Street in peak hour. High Voltage was followed a year later by TNT. The band toured all over New South Wales and Victoria. But soon, Malcolm wanted the band to head overseas. They hit the UK, but they still wanted to tackle the biggest market, America. Their manager said that the best way to sell ACDC to America was for America to experience the boys live in concert. So Bon and the band toured America and recorded furiously, releasing an album every year for the next five years. TNT was followed up with Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap and then Let There Be Rock, the title song highlighting Bon's voice and the furious guitar of Angus and Malcolm. Let's hear a little bit of Let There Be Rock. Let There Be Rock came the album Powerage, which was followed by the monumental Highway to Hell, which would be the last album the band recorded before Bond's death. Highway cemented the band's future, reaching 17 on the US Top 100. It showed a maturity in the band's music, but still the core of ACDC, led by Bond, remained loud, thumping, hard-hitting rock and roll. And still 40 years later, it sounds great. Sadisa's audience was a mixture of young women and rough blokes who all wanted to see Bon. The front man who wore tight jeans, had tats and said very outrageous things. As I said before, sex, drugs and rock and roll and of course alcohol really described Bon. He was a huge drinker and took drugs but unfortunately suffered the disease of addiction. Bond's biographer Jesse Fink described Bond as a huge drinker. In a TV interview when asked why the band described him as special, Bond said, I'm a special drunk. Fink also says that Bond loved to lewd out, which meant combine quaaludes with alcohol to zone out. And Angus was reported to have said, 
don't worry about Bond. He's already got his coffin ordered. Finally, the addiction to his substance abuse caught up with him. And on the morning of the 19th of February 1980, Bond was found dead in a car in London. He was only 33. Rumours of the cause of death are everywhere. In his book Bond the Lost Highway, Jesse Fink gave us an insight that discusses the people who were with Bond around the time he died. I recommend this great book to anyone who wants to know more. Anyway, according to Fink, Bond was in the company of heroin users in the days leading up to his death, including his girlfriends Anna Baber and Silva and friend Alastair Kinner. Bond and Kinner had both been out drinking at a London club called The Music Machine. According to Kinner, Bond was too drunk to walk so he left him in the car to sleep and during the night he vomited and died. Now Alastair's version of the events that night and the morning that he found Bond in the car is confusing inconsistent and unreliable. Alistair has never been available for comment and conveniently disappeared. Now all Bond's long-term friends were convinced that Bond did not die from too much alcohol. A good friend and big drinker at the time, Roy Allen said, Bond could drink so much, he had such a high tolerance. Bond could not have died of alcohol poisoning. It wasn't just alcohol. The newspapers reported the simple story that Bond was found dead in a car in East Dulwich, London. The coroner gave a verdict of death by misadventure. The young brothers were content with the image that their wild frontman had drunk himself to death and befitting his rock star status, drowns in his own vomit. Now I guess controversy will always surround Bond's death. Was it heroin, quaaludes or copious amounts of alcohol or a combination of just too many toxic substances in his system? Or was it that story the band stuck with? That he just fell asleep drunk, his neck was bent, and therefore drowned in his own vomit? Or could it have been as simple as Brian Johnson would later say? He was just as wild as the other boys, he was just unlucky. We've all done stupid things when we're young, but we got away with it. He didn't. While Bond died far too soon and far too young, his memory and the legend that he was lives on. In fact, Bond has become more famous as years have gone by. Angus Young said, It's weird, because when he was alive, all people would say about Bond was that he was this creature straight from the gutter. No one would take him seriously. Then, after he died all of a sudden, he's a great poet. Even he himself would have been laughing at that. He was then laid to rest without any great fuss, and a short death notice was published. Sadly, this send-off was hardly befitting for an Australian rock legend, don't you think? However, today's gravesite is the most visited gravesite in Australia, and has been declared by the government as a heritage site. Yes, ACDC went on to achieve great success with their new frontman, Brian Johnson. However, the touring years of 1977, 78 and 79 created the legend of Bond and launched ACDC for the phenomenal success they would achieve with their Back in Black album which is one of the biggest selling albums of all time. As with much of Bond's life, even after his death controversy still exists. There is much debate about whether Bond wrote some of the lyrics on the album, particularly You Shook Me All Night Long. Those in the know say it just sounds like Bond. I guess we'll never really know. Since 2006, his birthplace in Scotland has held an annual festival called the Bond Fest, as a tribute to him and there is a statue of him standing next to a Marshall Amp in Fremantle Harbour in Perth. In 2003, Bond was recognised in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 
while in 2004, Classic Rock magazine voted him the best frontman of all time, beating out Freddie Mercury and the Lizard King himself, Jim Morrison. Along with Malcolm and Angus Young, Bourne wrote great lyrics and was a talented and charismatic frontman. Now I've talked about the controversy that surrounds Bond's death, but there are also unanswered questions about this talented rock star's spiralling behaviour. I mean, was his demise preventable? Let's just stop and think for a moment. He was a heavy drinker, and his drinking was escalating. What was causing this? Was it the relentless touring which he was finding it difficult to maintain his bad boy image that everyone expected from him? Or was there conflict within the band? Or was it just the power of addiction? Whatever it was, Bond was suffering. So, why didn't anyone reach out to help him? I know people didn't talk about mental health back then, and I don't know if they had AA or rehab either. But surely someone could have done something. At least back in the 70s and early 80s, they would have understood the term drying out. And of course, an obvious question is, why didn't anyone in the band help him? Unfortunately, Bond didn't live to see the success of ACDC. He missed out on a whole lot of money. And at the time of Malcolm Young's death in 2017, it was reported that he was worth more than $100 million. What a shame this talented man went too soon. But more seriously, he never had any idea that the music he did get a chance to perform would make him a musical legend and a rock god. The ACDC guys went on with their band and soon Brian Johnson came on board. It is well known that the band never spoke publicly about Bond's death. Grief is a strange monster, isn't it? Everyone reacts differently. Jimmy Barnes said no one was more hurt than the ACDC guys. They lost a great friend and a great frontman. A lesser band would not have gone on. So, Bond's death is shrouded in mystery. But, some say this adds to his rock star myth. Jesse Fink writes that Bond died a grubby death. How sad for those people who truly knew and loved the real Bond Scott. As the saying goes, you're not here for a long time, but a good time. And Bond certainly wasn't here for a long time, but he had a good time. So there we have it. The great Bond Scott, gone way too early. R.I.P. Bond Scott, rock in peace. I think it's fitting we end this podcast with what I think is Bon Scott and ACDC's greatest song. Following Bon's death as a mark of respect for him, the next frontman, Brian Johnson, has never played this song live. So, take it away, Ronald. Ronald.